classic. <laughs> hey Dude, everybody. So <laughs> <laughs> what? You want me to start it? <laughs> no, I was gonna. I was gonna start we by saying bef- before you got into the call, Nick and I were talking about. Um, I'm wearing. I'm obviously wearing a T Bros hat like I always do. Um, oh yeah. We're talking about how lame it is to wear your own merch, but I do it anyway. Jeez, was yeah. I, was I that like my, late? <laughs> yeah, we had like a half hour conversation. I love yeah. wearing that hat, man. The, the only bad thing is when somebody asks me who it is, I have to pretend I don't know who the band is. I just always yeah. say, it's my brother's band. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm safe. That's clever. That's clever. <laughs> I've I've had a few people actually... One time I was at the the grocery store and I was it was so dumb. I was wearing the T Bros shirt and the hat, the one like matching logos. So I looked like a major dweeb. <laughs> and someone stopped me and was like, "What's uh, what's on your shirt?" And I told him. And then he saw my hat too, and he's like, "Is that the same hat?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> he was like, "Is that a band?" And I was like, "Yeah, I play for the band." <laughs> he hit. He had. He had heard enough. And then uh, another time I was I was wearing this hat at the pool and some random pool bro walked by me and was like, dude, I love your hat. What is that? And I said, it's the band that I play for. And he's like, oh, cool. And walked away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Didn't even ask what the band was. <laughs> yeah, I, I should stop saying it's the band I play for. But that's hilarious. I can't bring myself to lie to strangers for some reason. Yeah. I, I'm always like... Yeah, I'm not clever enough, I guess. Also, you don't want to be that guy that's wearing the hat and the shirt of the band that you really like. You know, like, are you that invested? Right. Maybe you are. Well, I think I could I could um, make the case where it's like I play for the band. Like I just get all my clothes for th- for free through the band, so I don't have to spend any money on clothes. So you should just say yeah, that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just get free shirts to play, so I don't have to buy any shirts. Exactly. That's really funny. Um, it's a win-win. Another time that I was wearing this hat. <laughs> <laughs> just recently, I was at Lowe's. Not a sponsor, but I was at Lowe's, <laughs> and I was waiting for someone to get something from out of the back for me. And there was another guy sitting, waiting next to me for the same thing. And he was like, "What? what is your hat? And I told him, I said, it's the band that I play for. And he goes, you look like a drummer. What? And I was uh, like, dude, that's right. But ever since, he never told me like why. And ever <laughs> since then, I've been trying to figure out like, <laughs> what about me seems like a drummer. So I was hoping you guys could maybe wow. like enlighten me. I think it's just your your aura. It's the way you carry yourself as a rhythmic Mm -hmm. human in sync with everything around you. Yeah, you're always... completely in time. You're always walking at like 120 beats per minute. (laughs) Your arms... Plus your arms. Your arms are Mm -hmm. just made for like that that hit. Yeah. You know, just... You got the shoulder drummer. It's funny because... Yeah. When we play with um, Carrie, our bass player, uh, he, I think he saw you the second time he played a show with you, and he was like, well, I see you haven't been working out at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you stop just, working out? <laughs> you're That's just made, made to be the drummer. I guess. 
Yeah, I, I suppose I'm always walking at full clip, so they think that I've got like an internal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a funny thing because I think we've been sitting in the van before at gas stations and kind of pointed out how people walk, not to make fun of them at all, but there's a big difference. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. kind of has their swagger. And I remember Jake and I were sitting in the van and Nick <laughs> <laughs> Nick got out <laughs> and he was walking to the gas station and Nick's like, just, Jake goes, just look at Nick. He's, he's like knuckles, just like dragging <laughs> on the floor, <laughs> just like a, like a gorilla. <laughs> so true. Probably going in to buy a pot of bananas too. <laughs> yeah. Walks out of the gas station with a bunch of bananas. I didn't even know you could buy bananas at the gas Coconut station. Coconut water. Nick. Oh, yeah. Coconut it's water a, a and a bushel. Tour. Tour hack, bro. <laughs> you don't have time to go to your local grocery store. You just go to your local gas station. You can also hot, buy hard boiled eggs. Questionable. Oh yeah. At Remember that, that one place we bought. I don't know a dozen of them, and halfway they're, through we're like, should we be eating these? They're oh. in some kind of fluid. Yeah, it's like you know, like a formaldehyde. A yes. No, no package. No, they, they were free roaming ones. The ones I got were in like a single free package. <laughs> yeah, maybe not your best bet. Plus, uh, your your salt came from who knows where. Oh yeah, pre-salted. Uh, yeah, the, the ocean. I don't know if I've ever really rolled a dice on gas station food. <laughs> yeah, it's a game you don't really want to play if you don't have to. Like, I think the riskiest I've gotten was, like, the quick trip rollers, like, roller hot dog. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, I think that's pretty safe. But anything, like, yeah. have you seen those prepackaged pickles? It's like a single pickle. Yeah. Um, pickle juice, but it's I in have. a vacuum-sealed thing. Yeah. It, um, it looks gross. So, so, never do it. So, I had one of those once at a gas station in Wyoming, and I may or may not have had food poisoning from it the next day. Brother, you remember that? I do remember that. Was that from the pickle? Maybe it was a cheeseburger. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, we we did stop and get a bunch of stuff at that gas station. But remember those freaking burgers we bought at that place that were super greasy and were like, oh, it's a local place. See, this is why. It was pretty sketch. On tour, Mm. I, I feel bad because I feel like for the majority of a month, okay, you take four weeks, I'm just kind of throwing like, pretty decent food at my body like mm. um just basic meats and vegetables and it's going really well but about that fourth week i really get to pine in for like a super bad cheeseburger and yeah. it doesn't matter where it comes from <laughs> and so my body's just like what 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 yeah and then i and then i suffer very mm. very badly oh when we First started touring, we ate at Wendy's, what, oh, like yeah. three or Every four times day. a week? At least. Yeah, and, and then, you know, you graduate to the to the pubs that feed you, and normally it's like a pizza or a burger and fries, but it's and free, you so you eat it, and, and you regret it. Yes, and we have problems, so we have issues with asking for just a salad, you know? <laughs> you, f- you feel like the bartender's going to go back and be like, hey, listen to this. The whole band just ordered a salad. <laughs> you know, they don't do that. Yeah. They don't I do that. You're hungry no. in like, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> right. It's our own problem. Anyway. Right. Salad, a salad should not be a meal, you know. 
<laughs> I don't know. I've had some pretty filling salads. You just got to do it right. Yeah. yeah. Put some meat in there. Yeah. yeah. Salad without meat is definitely not a meal no. on its own. No. Not at all. Well, guys, I was talking to someone um, from work just recently, and they happen to be a really big fan of yours, which is cool. And they were asking me uh, what you guys have been up to lately in the midst of um, last episode. We we called it the unnamed thing, so I, I think we should keep that meme going. Um, but just in the, in the midst of everything that's going on, and we kind of talked about it last week, but I, I, I thought it'd be cool to talk a little bit more in depth about um, just how we how we think the music industry as a whole has been doing and um, some things that have changed both in obvious ways and maybe some some uh, less obvious ramifications of things and, and go from there. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of people that if they know the Talbot brothers already um, or if they knew us from early on, they know that Nick and I kind of fell into these roles way back in, what was it, 2012 or something when we started touring which is crazy. That was like 50 years ago now, but um, <laughs> just about we, we kind of fell into these roles where I was doing more of the creative stuff and Nick was doing more of the business-minded stuff. But as um, only a few years went on from that, I think we both melded into each other's positions. And so um, if there was ever a business decision being made, Nick and I made it together 50-50. And then if there was ever being a song written or something decided musically or live performance wise, Nick and I started doing it 50-50. So um, it, this whole thing has just been Nick and I hitting uh, the pavement on what can we do to capitalize right now with, mm. um, obviously we're not on the road, which has been a huge focus for us since we started. I mean, we always called ourselves road dogs, you know, just mm. we're so, so used to touring and so used to that being our bread and butter. Um, we were trying to figure out ways we could still connect with people and make the music keep going while we weren't on the road. And so it's really just been Nick and I, uh, it, during this, during, uh, the pandemic, we've been in different places for most of it and sometimes together but we're on the phone like every day just trying to be like, oh, is this a good idea? No, this is a terrible idea. Is this a good idea? Yes. Okay, let's yeah. try that. And so it, it's it's really been wild. It I feel probably for most musicians, it's just been like a scramble for a way to make a living. Um, mm. and, I, and I know that's that way for a ton of businesses, you know, not just us, but we consider ourselves a small business. So it's, you know, obviously was going really well right before these, this unnamed thing happened. And then when it hit, everything changed. And I think Nick and I have both kind of talked about how we're trying to adopt new ideas and mentalities for what we do. It may maybe. Mm. It's not just about being on the road, but um, the music at the end of the day, it's kind of brought us back around. And, and maybe, brother, you could talk about this a little bit. It feels kind of like the music is front and center now. 
again. Yeah, like we kind of fell behind a little bit with that. We got on the game. I mean, when you talk about like YouTube and digital content and stuff like that, videos, we were kind of late to the game on that because we were focusing so hard on touring. And that's all we mm. did was we just perfected our live show, both as the duo and, and with the band. And we kind of made it a point to um, eventually separate the two of those things because, you know, we would have a a tour set up and we'd have a, a show acoustically thrown in and then we'd have a, a full band show thrown in and it was kind of all over the place and people started to show up and not really know, you know, is this going to mm-hmm. be an acoustic show or is this going to be a full band show? Right. And so we kind of changed our acoustic mentality of making that percussive, making it be bigger than just two guys with acoustics and Tyler, you know, playing the baritone acoustic and playing piano and me playing, playing the regular six string, but also jumping on kind of a clean electric, really vibey reverby guitar Mm. to kind of beef out the sound. And then when the band comes out, you know, perfecting the sound of that. So we spent so many years just working on like every single show we played from 2012 until a couple of years ago before we started working with the agent, it was just us hammering it out, trying to figure out like, what's our sound? How do we learn the process of booking? How do we learn the process of advancing a show and working with the venue and, you know, making sure that we understand how it all works so that as we add team members, which we eventually were able to do, we have done all the jobs. So we understand like what it takes and we can appreciate it more. But in doing all that and spending all our time doing that, we, yeah, with the, the creative side and like being focused on the music and putting that first came kind of second. It kind of fell into that place. And Tyler's always been really good about making sure everybody's um, just, he, he's always been good about saying like, hey, this is, important part like the music comes first without it nothing else exists Mm. and that's kind of where yeah we've come back to that now and we've been fortunate in this time during this unnamed thing to really focus and kind of hone our craft and like explore new sounds and really work on finding that creative space again And I think now when we go back on the road and we think about our shows and our touring and stuff next year, it's just going to feel a lot better. It's going to feel like we're not coming at it from a place of pressure. Yeah. More as a place of rest and like we feel prepared and we feel excited. Not that we weren't excited to play, but we're just trying to hold on to our hats for a hell of a time, you know? (laughs) Right. You know, there's always been kind of a joke, too, with the band that uh, Nick's the dad and I'm the mom of the band. And and I, f- and I feel like that's kind of true, and that's totally fine. But, um, you know, there's been times when I've felt really down, especially during what's going on right now, where I felt really down about the state of things, where Nick has said, we got to keep 
rolling. We just got to keep pushing. And mm. it's been the same for him too. He's been down at times and I've reminded him we got to keep going. I think the big thing is there's other people involved now, right? You know, it's like when you're making music and you haven't put it out there yet or your audience is super small, um, it's a little bit different. Like I've, I think there's probably a lot of bands that this pandemic came and they just sort of gave up, you know? And it Mm -hmm. was like, wow, you know, we, we had something going, but there's no way we can sustain it during this time. And, um, we've, we've just, I mean, we were afraid. (laughs) I think when we saw lots of shows start to drop off and, um, the venues start to close their doors for who knows how long, which is still the case. Um, Mm-hmm. As we're doing this podcast now, it's like you know, yeah, who knows? We we had a tour booked this fall, a big you know two month tour booked with the band, and hadn't announced it yet. And we're trying to hold out and see, like, okay, maybe it'll get better, maybe it'll get better. Mm-hmm. And just you know, every week that went by, um, we were just kind of like, you know, shit. What well, now? What do we do? You know? Yeah. And moving those to next year working on that process has kind of freed us in a way because we have all this time now to remove a little bit of that pressure. Like Tyler talked about um, last week, just working from that place of like your creativity kind of gets snuffed out a little bit when you're trying to write an album between this date and this date because you know Mm. you got to get on the road. But for us, it wasn't this on the road for this amount of time, home for this amount of time, on the road for this amount of time. It's kind of always been, you know, we're on the road two thirds of the year and the rest of the time we're just trying to catch our breath. So the last thing (laughs) you want to do is get home and try to work on something and feel like you're refreshed. So yeah, it's been good, but it's been, it has been a challenge for sure. And I think the industry right now is pretty, it's like the Wild West, I think. You know, nobody really yep. knows what's happening. Everybody's just trying stuff. One of the coolest things, I think, is... So I'm in our hometown right now. Um, I've got an Airstream um, that my wife and I live in. And it's just, uh, you know, it's about to be winter. So our pipes are going to freeze. And then <laughs> I'm going to have to sell it. No, <laughs> But, uh, no, Uh in our hometown, whenever I run into people, um, they always ask, you know, when do you think you're going to be able to get back on the road? And, um, you know, I always say, my guess is as good as yours. The world is on fire right now. It's just crazy. Not even with the unnamed thing that we keep bringing up, but, you know, um, there's also protests and, Mm. Uh, Black Lives Matter movement is going on, so it's just it's it's not an easy time to try to push your business. Yeah, in a way, you know, it it you almost take a stance where you're like, is this as important as everything else that's going on? <laughs> you know, and you just right. try to be like, how can we remain steady? How can we be a constant for people during this time? And I think, um, you know, if if you, for me, when I go and listen to my favorite bands, um, 
uh, it's an escape from mm-hmm. all of the stuff that's going on in the world. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of a fear that just kind of goes away when I'm listening to music. And so we're trying to remain that for people in a way, you know, while it's not super easy to afford making an album <laughs> right mm-hmm. now and mm-hmm. making music still trying to write and get ready for when we will be able to afford to do that when the time comes that it's record time. And um, I think our last ghost talker was last year, right? Yeah, 2019. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so that makes me feel better because it's only not even quite a year old. So um, yeah, that was a frustrating part is we hadn't really toured with it as much as we wanted to, you know, we kind of did, um, after it dropped in October last year, uh, we did do some touring, but we didn't so go fun. to a lot of places that we'd planned on going in the spring and even like the rest of this year with it. So, you know, that was like our first true full band tour. Yeah. Uh, you know, albeit short, but, um, that was so fun. And so it's like a part of me is like, oh, oh when we can go back on the road and we don't have to, you know, limit the capacity of a venue and things like that, I, I kind of want to keep playing Ghost Talker because it seems like that being our our second studio album, we're calling yeah. it, uh, that I want to keep playing that because it feels like we really haven't played it for a lot of people. You know, yeah. it was really short time. But then on the other hand, we've been writing this music. So for us, the natural progression of things, it almost feels like we need to be making that new album right now. Right. It's a really twisted, weird thing. And I, I know everyone's going through it right now, you know, as musicians. It's kind of frustrating too, when you think about, um, the opportunities and things and, and writing that, that high of, you know, having a little success with it and being fortunate enough to get attention from places like Rolling Stone and Billboard and stuff, and then going out and having people be excited and they heard the single on Spotify and they just found us randomly. It's just all these things happening that we were grateful for and we were excited about and having the biggest shows we've ever had get all, all the way through the end of the year and start planning for this year. Mm. And it just kind of all stopped. And so it was tough. And I know I struggled too with just like the mental health aspect of going so hard for so long and coming off of that and just kind of feeling like I hit a wall and feeling lost. Like I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with all this time Mm. and figuring out how to navigate, you know, quote unquote normal day to day was, has been a challenge still for me. And we're in August of the next year already. And I think... Mm it's provided a lot of space. Like Tyler said, I think he hit it on the head when music can be an escape. And for me personally, it's been one of the only ways that I've felt like I can kind of attach myself to, to the world. And I found a lot of identity in that. And so when that was taken from me, I I kind of questioned a lot of things and I've had to realize that that's not, that doesn't define me as a person. It's just something I do. And mm. the challenge of that's been 
tough. And I think the industry right now is kind of, it's open for a lot of different ideas. And so it's kind of exciting to try different things and to do online shows and stuff is tricky and it's not quite as intimate, but I think they can be done really well. You know, for a while we were doing stuff from the Airstream, you know, these live Instagram shows and mm-hmm. man, it was fun just to like have that community. And I think that's the biggest thing we miss is just the community of about the whole thing about music is being together going through it together so and another thing too that has been kind of our saving grace during this is we recorded that acoustic ep um at the beginning of this year is that right i don't know when we recorded my timeline i don't even know what day of the week it is anymore (laughs) honestly i think we recorded it in the winter bro (laughs) okay was it last year (laughs) yeah that's what i meant December, January. yeah um so that has been kind of our saving grace because I feel like we've really connected with a lot of new people just because it's been acoustic. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember. I, I know that you remember cause I know you both, but do you remember when uh yellow card released like a bunch of acoustic tracks on that, um, punk goes acoustic album. Mm-hmm. It was a long time ago, but that was the first time. I mean, I know everybody was listening to yellow card, like ocean Avenue, you know, Way, Everybody. way away from Exactly. But um, I first listened to their acoustic stuff, and then that's what got me hooked on their full band stuff. And I think um, we somehow tapped into that a little bit, like people that listen to acoustic music while they're doing their homework or working, and it's just way less taxing on your brain to listen mm. to acoustic music. Um, they've kind of tapped in to what we're doing and then they go and find oh okay these guys have these full length records too where they have these bands and multi-instrumentalists on everything and um, that's been really cool too and I'm really thankful that we recorded that (laughs) acoustic we recorded that right before the world started on fire you know and so it was just like that helped us bridge that has helped us bridge a little bit this space between a full album and nothingness. <laughs> yeah, and we we got to do a cover which we'd never recorded, you know, like an mm-hmm. actual cover of a song, the Bruce Springsteen song, and I yeah. think it was pretty fitting to sing "Dancing in the Dark" as all this stuff was going down, right? And people yeah. were relating with that in a different yeah. way than he, had, you know, he might have when he wrote it, writing it from a perspective that he did with dealing with the label and just like the pressures of trying to be creative and write a hit. Mm. And that was kind of something we really resonated with. And so to be able to release that was pretty cool too. And the response on those acoustic songs has been overwhelming right now. You know, we still get messages about people listening to stuff and Mm. I think we needed it just as much as people have enjoyed it. So yeah. for us, it was kind of, I don't know, therapeutic. That Dancing in the Dark song, too, is kind of like, if you really dig into the lyrics, it's kind of about some self-doubt and some, like, the dude is alone. You know mm. what I mean? Bruce Springsteen, whether it's him or a persona he's adopting for this song, he's just by himself. And I think 
well, that's kind of what's translated into what's going on in the world right now is just this feeling of like you're looking in the mirror and you're like, do I need to shave? Do I need to cut my hair? I don't know what's going on. I'm just seeing this same dude every morning and he's driving me crazy, you know? Right. And I think everybody's kind of feeling that. Like we've kind of had to become our own best friends again and that's really scary because we don't. I mean, if you like yourself, that's awesome. But I think the three of us do not. And so not like <laughs> ourselves. We like each other, but we, we like each of, other. None of us enjoy ourselves all that yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> we're constantly texting each other throughout the week, just reminding each other that we're all kings and that everything's okay with what's going on. You have been saying that a lot recently. You deserve yeah. it, King. <laughs> you deserve it, King. You're a king. It's okay. And I think it's weird. Like, you know, a song that was released in the 80s can still translate today and you know songs older than that you know you cover it in a different way that's like mm. the way we did it was way more stripped down and it's sort of like oh my gosh all this production is stripped away and it's just acoustic or piano and vocals or whatever and it's like oh now it's real you know like right. now i'm listening to the lyrics not just the song as a whole but you know, I th I think it really dug in with people, and I think it was cool because that was one of the, well, that might actually be the first cover that we've ever done. Like, yeah, that's the first one we've like, yeah, thrown on an EP for sure. And it was fun done. to work with Justin. Like, shout out to Justin Abel, our producer, because he has a way of, of you know, the three of us will sit in a room and we'll tell him all these crazy ideas and. Anyone else would just be like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" <laughs> right. <laughs> and Justin has this uncanny ability to like decipher what it is that we actually are saying, right? And yeah. make it just this piece of art. And I think it was really fun to go from all the sounds that we explored on Ghost Talker to stripping everything back production-wise, using just a guitar, just a piano, mm. and doing the same thing with the same songs in yeah, a different well, way. We sent him a bunch of songs about, a, well, maybe a couple months back. And, um, you know, it was like, we never had really let anyone in on besides like Jake and maybe some other close friends. We never really let anyone in on the songwriting process. Like Nick and I will usually write tons of songs and then we'll send them to each other. And then Nick can Two be like, make it out. Yeah. Yeah, you could send 50 and two of them survive, right? Mm -hmm. So it was cool because Justin knows us well enough now where we sent him this kind of full, you know, 20 songs that we've been working on and there'll be a lot more before we get into the studio. But we sent him a bunch of songs and said, what do you think about how some of these are going? And he was he knows us well enough and how we work together well enough to be like, like that one, hate that one. Yep. hate that what are you even talking about right here okay this is good this could be the hit you know yeah he, and it it was cool to like kind of weed some of that stuff out with a with a third ear um other than nick and i just arguing you know nick and i have always said if we have to convince each other or one another that the song is good then it's mm -hmm. not good yeah <laughs> you know? do you like, guys no, get uh do you get like emotionally attached to your ideas? Like if one of you has an idea for a song, do you like fight for it because you spent time on it? Nick doesn't. 
One of us does more than the other. <laughs> Nick doesn't. He Nick will send me a song and I'll be like, dude, I'm just not digging it. And he'll be like, okay. But if I send him a song and he says he's not digging, I'm like, but but like, wait, but like, what if? <laughs> what, what if, if we, we change replace it? all the words in all the music? <laughs> yeah. we, wait. But what if the acoustic guitar becomes a vibraphone? Right. And we just, you know, yeah. and so I've learned, I think, would brother, you'd say that I've gotten better at it now. Right? You have gotten better. I think for me, it, it used to bother me way back in the beginning, but I don't hold on to them as much now because I made my own special folder with all these songs. Yeah. And I don't really give a shit if anybody hears them. <laughs> Most but people have me, a special folder for other things, so I'm glad you yeah. said songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Just, uh, just. I thought you were it. going somewhere else with that. <laughs> I have a special it. folder that no one will ever know about. Right here. <laughs> no, that's good. Well, it's I think nice because it, I, I have to write them anyways because I have to get them out. Yeah. So, makes way for more. Yeah. No, I, I think it's good to not be, like, emo- like attached to certain ideas too much just because of time spent. This mm-hmm. is something that, like, I've actually had to learn. It's a completely different world, but in my my career as well is like you can I think you can get tunnel vision and commit to an idea like too much and then you realize you spent two weeks on something and someone gives you like fresh perspective and it's their perspective is correct but you don't want to admit it because you yeah you know I think people treat a lot of people treat their own ideas as like their baby of some sort like you conceptualized it and you created it which is fair but Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, I don't know. It's cool that you have that in Justin to be able to give mm-hmm. pr- fresh perspective and it's not like the brother rivalry thing that you have to deal with. It's like a professional yeah. relationship that you can trust. I, I think yeah, that's I mean, like the telltale of a good producer too. Yeah, we had to work through that though because in the beginning, you know, when we started touring all these, this past few years, um, right after we moved out to Oregon, we were just constantly going. And part of that was we were trying to catch the eye of a booking agent and -hmm. just be like, hey, we did all these shows. You want to work with us? And so we're racking up all these dates and we're just both tired. And I remember we're driving down in California and we started arguing about just everything we can find. (laughs) Everything back way, you know, being brothers, you can find anything to argue about. And you just disagree on everything Mm -hmm. and push each other's buttons like nobody else can as a sibling. And Tyler just steps on the brakes, pulls the van on the side of the road. We're flying going 80. We went 80 to zero in probably 50 seconds. I was so nuclear. I got out of the van, went around, and just like tried to open my door. And I just sat there and I looked at him. And we're looking at each other through this this you know, dark tinted window pane, just staring each other in the eye. And we were both so pissed. God, I'm it, so something something just came over us in that moment where we just we looked were, at each other and we accepted the fact yeah. that we're different. <laughs> and this shit's just going to happen. Well, I am so thankful to this very day. I mean, I would tell this story to anyone, you know, that asked like, What's it like being with your brother on the road? That's got to suck being in the van 24 Yes, it does. <laughs> but but I, I will never take for granted the fact that Nick did not get out of the van. Because if Nick 
would have got out of the van and I was that heated and he was that heated. We just would have beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, and then we we the would have been two guys right. on the side of the interstate covered in blood and it would have been no good. So it like, was just an interesting moment to be in having it was a time stop, you know, and he just like, he walks back in the van he sits down, closes the door, and it's quiet, right? So this is in our old van, and the radio yeah. just, the radio didn't work. So everybody yeah. wears earbuds. And so yeah. we're just both sitting there in silence, driving down California at I-5. And it's just this moment of, all right, bro. All right. We're all right. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, we still argue, but. Right. In my mind, I kind of thought, after I got out and wanted to beat the pulp out of him, which um, if any of you have seen uh, 90% of our Instagram posts, which are pictures of me and Nick, because that's what everybody likes. Um, <laughs> the money Nick's maker. A little bit, Nick's a little bit bigger than me. So I, another reason I'm thankful that we didn't fight is because of that. But also um, there was that, like Nick said, that moment where we were just like, we are maybe our only friends out here. Sometimes mm. we would show up at a venue. I remember during that time we played a show down in Texas, I believe, on like a Tuesday night. It was like a barbecue joint. Oh, yeah. Um, they said, well, really, we were just booking it because they said uh, food is free and beer is free. Right? Yeah. And we were like, okay, this is mid-travel. You know, we've got like a super solid show on a Saturday that's going to, um, we're going to have a lot of people out for, and then we've got a super solid show on a Thursday in Texas. So I was like, what are we going to do between those days? This was back when Nick and I were booking them our, ourselves and it was a mess, but <laughs> we, we came to this barbecue joint on a Tuesday. Um, I think maybe 10 people filtered in and out and probably 75% of that was regulars. You know, mm. and so we were just, we had to play for like three and a half hours and we were just like, um, I think you're my only friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we, Nick and I were just joking around on stage and laughing behind the mics, like trying to tell jokes and keep each other going. And, <laughs> you know, it's like we've come from, I, I understand sometimes a guy just wants to go to the bar after five o'clock and five set five thirty, he shows up at the bar and he just wants to eat mm. and drink beer and he doesn't want to have to pay attention to the band in the corner that's playing their original music that he does not know. Right. He comes to the band and he wants to he comes to the bar and he wants to hear uh Steve Miller band, uh She's my cherry yep. pie. <laughs> you know, it, like that's all he wants. And if there was a jukebox, he would be more happy. But the owner of the bar, restaurant, venue, slash thing, he is so into live music. So you're battling the owner's want, which mm. you you email him before you show up at the show and you say, yo, man, like we do mostly original music. We'll throw in a few covers every now and again just because we want to do them. Right. And he's like, oh, that's totally fine. You all just show up and just do your thing. And then you get there, and everyone is like, 
And he's no. the only one that wanted that. <laughs> and they yeah, don't, and they don't talk to there. him. Right. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even come that night. He doesn't he work he on work Tuesday. <laughs> right. It's Tuesday. Why would he do that? So, so there was several times where Nick and I, I think throughout this whole journey, it's really felt like, well, you get the band or Nick and I, who's almost like we felt like we're our only friends on there. And it's, you know, you can't be on the side of the interstate being the pulp out of your best friend. You know what I mean? Right. It just doesn't, it does not do anybody any good. And I'm 100% certain that we had a show that night. We did. Otherwise, we would not have been driving during the day, <laughs> which, which yeah. we were. So in, in Goldie, the who overheated and lost her AC yeah, about God every rest her souls. Well, Jake's been there since kind of the beginning of things when we were recording a record we made called The Road in that mm-hmm. house, you know, in the house studio in Lincoln. And, uh, you know, Jake walks in and we'd known each other for a while and, and we have him in to do all the percussion and he's just being around Tyler and I. And, and I think Tyler and I were still trying to figure out how to really communicate effectively and yeah, so you a were, lot of times you were still trying. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was nice to have you there as a buffer for that because for the longest time, nobody has been a buffer for us. And we just, mm. we lay into each other like nobody, you would never talk to anybody else like that. That's how we used to talk all the time. And yeah. when we met Justin, Abel, and we did Gray out in Portland, that was one of the things that was really hard because Tyler and I would just stand in a room and, shout back and forth at each other about what key of the song had to be in. And he would just stand there and he told us later, he's like, man, I didn't know whether to interject or not. I have a brother. <laughs> and he learned, he learned like you did, Jake, that you, you're able to do that. I think in a really unique way, because when you can have that closeness with somebody, like we consider you a brother I mean, you're wearing our hat after all. <laughs> but like when you have that closeness with somebody, that's so important. Having that friend who is a brother, that's that goes so much further than watching two actual brothers just stand there and yell at each other. Right. And, yep. and being able to have somebody who can speak wisdom and just like say, you know, dude, just cool down. Like go outside for five minutes and come back or Take a shot of whiskey. Just yeah. let it go. You know, like he's yeah. pointing this out. He's pointing this out. You're both stupid. Just get over yourselves right. and let's move on. And that's, I think that's like huge. that third person um, in any scenario that is able to step outside of the argument and decide what's best, you know, um, albums made before we worked with Justin in the studio. Um were difficult because that nobody was challenging no one was challenging Nick or I you know if Nick and I got in an argument we would wait an hour for Nick and I to either resolve it or one of us to go outside and get pissed yeah so it was like to finally have someone that we told him I mean I feel like we communicated very early on with Justin that this was going to happen that we were going to argue and that there was going to be times where he would have to jump in and just be the voice of reason. Right. And it's, it's made things move along a lot quick, 
or because he's been able to say, you know, I understand where you're both coming from. This is the best idea. So I do agree that the song needs to be faster. I do agree that the song needs to be in a lower key so that Ty's voice can hit it. You know, just these different things that a third person in any scenario, not not just music, that you can rely on to give you sound advice. And it really comes down to a trust thing because this other person, I think Jake, just you and I being friends, you're really one of the only people that I trust to be able to tell me how it is. And I mm-hmm. know that you're not going to walk away pissed off, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe you do get pissed, but it doesn't mean you're going to stop being my friend right. in some way, you know, and that's probably my issue. But I think there's a lot of people that are kind of scared to like, I don't want to get critiqued because I'm not loved anymore. And that's not a thing. You <laughs> right. know, I've, if people really care about you, they're going to tell you how it is. Right. You know, if, if a good friend does not just say, yeah, man, I get that. You know what? You're right. A good friend is like, dude, you're an idiot. You're wrong. I know you don't want to hear this. Right. But this is how it is. And I think in, in music, musicians, I think a lot of times tend to be really sensitive about their creation and their mm-hmm. art. And they don't want anyone to, you know, I can spend three weeks on a song. I don't want anyone to tell me that they don't like it. Right. Because then I'm like, what? I waste all my time. And right. They, you know, that's what the thing about being brothers, you know, and not even just blood brothers, but brotherhood is that someone is able to tell you, yo, man, I know you spend a lot of time on this. I care about you, but this is shit. This song is <laughs> terrible. And I think you need to just go back to square one. Yeah. You need to try something different. Or th- I think a good friend pulls the good things from a project and says, this and this and this is good, which I think Nick and I have really learned to do over time. Is yeah. been like, these things are good, these things are bad. So if you're able to find a way to bring the good things into a whole new idea, let's do it. I mean, I think Nick, what we pulled ideas from voice memos over the last couple years. Um, you know, we've torn choruses from songs that I've sent you that you're like, "Uh, I don't know if I like this song, but the chorus is solid. We've torn parts from songs and put them into other ones. And I I just feel like that's so important to be able to have somebody to check you. You know, I always think about if I was like a solo artist, it would be terrible because I would just be releasing this stuff that that I felt like was good. And I'm not going to listen to a manager tell me that the song isn't good enough to release. I'm just going to do it. Right. But to have like you, Jake, and my brother, Nick, and other people, you know, Justin as a producer, the other bandmates to kind of check and balance everything. Right. It just, that's how a business works, right? I mean, not no, you know, Jake at Garmin is like you were talking about, how does it feel, you know, Maybe you should talk about that a little more. Like, how does it feel to work on a project for this long and then have someone come in and just be like, no. 
Yeah, it's not fun, but <laughs> you, yeah, you're part of such a big organization too. So we yeah, talk about that. I mean, we should have done this uh, tomorrow night because I actually have a design review tomorrow. So I'll let you know how that goes. Which <laughs> okay, is basically we're stopping the podcast. If, for we're those starting. of you who don't know, <laughs> I said last week that I'm a mechanical engineer. So I, you know, I do mechanical designs for consumer electronics products, and the design review process is basically you present your design in a room full of way smarter people than you. And um, the purpose of it is like to make sure that it's ready to go on to the next phase of production, right? So it serves a very important purpose of catching things that you may have overlooked, which happens a lot, but it is really tough. Like, like you said, cause you spend so much time, especially now, like we're all working from home. So we spend a lot more time, kind of behind closed doors, like working on things. And I, I work really independently too. So I don't like to, at every impasse, go and ask like upper level mm-hmm. engineers for feedback, like every two or three days or whatever. Cause yep. I like to know that I, I was figuring it out and I just, <laughs> I just have a lot of pride, which is probably not good, yep. but I have a lot of pride to be able to like <laughs> figure things out myself. Um, so yeah, the, especially for me specifically, like the review process can be, um, I'm trying to frame it more so as like as it's humbling and not just like feeling like I've been degraded the whole time. Um, but I, I definitely tend to interpret it as like you did terrible, like everything you did was terrible. Oh, yeah. But personal, it's it's hard to zoom out though because, like I said before, you get tunnel vision. Like, and that happens to me all the time. Like, I get so focused in on an idea that I'm working on because to me, like I've narrowed in on that as the best idea for whatever reason, or I just didn't have the perspective to think of anything else. And when you're working on the clock, it's pretty easy to just like run with your gut on like your first or second idea and not spend a whole lot of time. Kind of like you guys said, when, you know, you're writing an album in two months when you're not on the road, it's a similar idea of like, okay, well, this is what I have. I need to run with this because I don't have time to think of anything from scratch. Um, but you have to understand the perspective of someone coming in, like fresh eyes are so valuable, I think. Like in, in yes. anything, any project that you're working on, like I think it's really important to get things to a certain level of maturity um, before you present them to people because otherwise, otherwise there's a point where they're just kind of doing the work for you. <laughs> um, but if you get it to like, this is how, you know, I've put a lot of time into this, what do you think? And like they're either going to say it's great or it sucks, but... Um, at a certain point you have to accept that like if it's not good you don't want to put it out anyway you know you don't want to have to deal with in my in my job you don't want to have to deal with you know people returning products because you were proud of Uh, it you know yeah I would imagine that with what you do there's a ton of repercussion on a very uh, systematic level you know of people being like this just does not work Right. You know, with what we do sometimes for music, you know, all three of us together, I think sometimes people can say, I don't like it. And you're like, okay, I don't care. But with a product that is more of like a physical item that you hold and serves a specific purpose, mm-hmm. I feel like there's people that can say, <laughs> this didn't work for me. I right. was driving through Montana and the thing went out and yep. I couldn't see where I was going. <laughs> yeah, it is a different it's a different thing for sure. I mean, I wish I wish it was more like art so I could 
more easily justify mm. my terrible decisions. Because <laughs> I, you know, I'm pretty young in, in the career, you know, in, in the yeah. space. So I make a lot of mistakes and I'm not going to pretend like I don't. Um, yeah. But yeah, those mistakes can be pretty costly. Not Not only in terms of like, the company's resources of fixing it down the line, but also like reputation yeah. is really important too. Like you don't want to be the reason that people don't go to that brand anymore. You know, we all have well, things that we've bought and like, it's the last time we've ever bought something from that company. Cause yep. it just like yep. repeatedly sucked and you don't want to contribute to that in my position. Yeah. So. And on the other side of that, if you have a really good experience with the product, you're going to want to, you're going to advocate for it and keep coming back to it. Right. Well, it's one of the things, uh, Jake, we talked about was, you know, there's these tests that each product that you create or that you engineer has to go through. Mm -hmm. And it's, does it survive that test? Does it survive a drop test or a water, you know, how deep can it go in water? And right. you guys have to mark that. How I guess without giving us too much insider information and having to kill us both yeah. <laughs> and all. Ten of the oh, listeners. This is a second podcast. 12. Maybe it's 20 people. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to be ambitious and say maybe 20 people are yeah. listening. Because uh, one friend told another friend, right? Exactly. But how much does that affect? If if it, How is that process of going through and saying, um, we feel like this is finished and then we have to put it through these tests. Um, who is really, can Nick and I test some things or I mean, no, no. how does that work? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I do, the answer. I do most of the testing on my products. Like we have, uh, we have a test lab. So there's, I mean, certain things that require very um, sophisticated equipment. Um, I don't run those tests. I run like the <laughs> the ape with a hammer tests, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the frustrated that's user test tests. I would run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like, and that's another thing too, is we have all these testing procedures and uh, I, I think I, I texted you this the other day, but I often interpret like every part failure as like a personal failure, which is not oh, yeah. true. And it's right. like going back to music, that's like, you know, someone telling you they don't like your genre of music that could be personally like feel like you let them down even though I don't know that's just kind of the way it goes right <laughs> so yeah, like, it's controversial yeah in my position like you want things to fail early on so that you can find those and fix them like I worked on a product I when I first started that like everything was going super well at the beginning and then now I'm dealing with stuff that like somehow didn't come up and it, you know we ran all the tests and stuff but things are different once things are in mass production like um, things change in the supply chain so you have to dig into that kind of stuff but it would have been nice to have like dealt with all this stuff before uh, things were out on the street so see and this yeah. is what we're talking about I mean there's so many parallels I think between a creative space of Whereas Jake, what you're doing is creating in a way, you know, you're engineering and designing. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many parallels between a purely artistic space, which you might consider music, and then a space which is like a consumer product, such as a Garmin GPS or watch. And I think um, this is kind of one of the things that in this podcast, you know, we want to address is like, 
there are really some very strong parallels between the artistic space and the consumer space that like we're always trying to balance and I think even Jake with what you do um and what we do for sure is we are trying not to say hey we want you to buy our thing at the end of the day we get gratification out of saying oh this is tight mm, you know yeah. like this is the coolest thing <laughs> Ever. And you're not, you know, at the end of the day, you don't go to bed thinking, oh, I sold a million of these or I've sold a million copies of this album or this song. You know, you go into the bed, go into bed thinking this is gratifying for me because people are connecting with it. And it's a kind of thing that is useful. Mm. And I think that's the same thing with the products that um, you're designing and then the music that we're making is kind of like you know i want people to feel like it's useful i want someone to listen to uh running man from one of our old albums which isn't even available anymore by the way Sorry, uh, i think you meant run no more <laughs> oh yeah yeah i'm running no i want someone to listen to that while they're working out and and connect with it and feel like oh man this is like my first two minutes in on my workout song, you know, and then to have their Garmin watch that's keeping track of the calories and the distance that they've gone on their run. You know, I want all those things to be in balance. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make music for a specific person. I'm just, as a creator or as a designer, so to speak, you're just trying to make a thing that someone connects with so that they're able to have their life be a little bit easier and mm. be a little more good. Yeah. You know, and I and I think there's a lot of people that listen to our music that we've connected with and they say, Oh, this song just got me through this, or this song got me through this. And we're like, Wow, I felt a completely different thing yeah. <laughs> than you felt during that, which is awesome. I think it's all about everything we create making an experience for humankind that is just like overall more comfortable and more um, personal in a way. I think like with our current generation, uh, what are we? Are we Gen Z? I think we're millennials, aren't we? Oh, we're millennials. The know. next thing is Gen Z. Gen Z is like I have to have an iPad or else I will die, right? Yeah, it, it, it plugs into <laughs> your uh, something or other. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm just saying I think like as a generation, we are very specific to our personal tastes and our our. when I wake up, I have a routine. And that whole routine takes place until I lay my head down at night. And I think, I think as creators and designers in this space, our responsibility is to cater to people's personal lives. I want my, you know, very best fan of Talbot Brothers music to feel like there's a certain song on a 12 song album that connects with that day. You know, I, I want someone to be like, oh, this is a sadder song or a more uh, lamenting song that I connect with on this rainy day where I felt like nothing was going right. 
And then I want them to have a song where they're like, oh, everything is so good and I'm just so happy. And this song is just about like celebrating being a human, you know, and I, and the same thing with products. There's just all these things. I am very dependent on my, um, you know, my little phone charger pack thing that comes with me that charges my phone during the day. I'm so dependent on my headphones. Mm -hmm. I'm so dependent on my podcasts and my YouTube videos that I watch throughout the day. They just kind of keep me like going, especially in the state of the world that we're not really talking about (laughs) right now. You know, to, to keep things normal. To make you feel like you're still connected to people in a way. And I think um, just like a watch, just like a song makes you feel like you're doing something important. If it's not only for you, but uh, just like your schedule. And I think there's a lot of people that just want to contribute to the world. And, and you know, the three of us have talked about this a lot, you know. you can say, oh, I want to be a rock star or I want to be a world famous, yada, yada, yada. But really, if we didn't have the people in the factory putting the CPU, uh, that is the processor, into a MacBook to finish the MacBook and put it on the line and send it out to the designer, we'd be screwed, Right. Right. Because the three of us cannot do well. Maybe Jake could do that, but the three of the three of us cannot do that. And if we didn't have that contribution, we would not be designing and making things better. And I think it's really crazy for an artist or a musician to relate what they're making to a factory placing the components inside of a laptop type of thing. But that really is, I mean, we're all kind of making, do I sound like a communist? <laughs> you sound like something. <laughs> I sound like a communist. But what no, I'm saying don't. is I think it's so important for all of us to just take, you know, to keep in mind your fellow man and not to take anything that you're doing for granted I think everybody can benefit from the next person. And so it's like you're riding on the bus or you're you're in your Uber or uh, you know, your Lyft and you're going to the next place to just consider what that person is going through too. You know, just everybody is trying to make something to benefit someone else and it's not so bad even I think Jake and I you know, we'll probably talk about this on another podcast because we're nearing the end of this one. But uh, Jake and I have talked about how wanting to have um, have a security financially. If you say that another way than I just said it, it sounds super selfish. But I think, on the other hand, um, you can say having security financially means being able to take care of your family. It means being able to support your fellow man in certain ways. And so there's kind of the shame on people trying to make money. Amass or wealth. <laughs> yes. And and if you want to just buy a boat, 
and just drink martinis and just sail off in the sunset until you die. Um, you know, we can talk after the podcast. I'll talk to you. And I, I don't think that that is necessarily a good thing, but also I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like if you, if you feel like that's what your life contributes, okay. But I also think designing your product and making your music or your art to support your fellow man, whatever comes out of that, whether it's lucrative or not, you know, there's a ton of people that are incredible painters or artists that work at your local Chevrolet dealership. You know what I mean? Mm. It's super weird to think about, but I think it's all kind of benefiting something in a way. And, you know, maybe that guy gets more um, satisfaction out of the end of his day by being able to make his art after he gets clocks out at five o'clock. All of this should just be in the benefit for your fellow man. And I think at the end of the day, if you're just like, I want to make money so that I can have a helicopter, <laughs> that's not... <laughs> That's not quite good enough. It's okay. It's okay. But I think we're not judging. You should also we're not judging have, you for wanting no. a helicopter. No, no, what no. Are you no. I, use a helicopter for that <laughs> I want. I want a helicopter. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Uh, I think if you can try to make a product or an art, something like that, that benefits your fellow man or your neighbor mm. in a way. You know, Nick and I. I think when we first started doing music, we kind of thought like. How can we save the world? And I think over time, getting older and probably not wiser, but trying to be wiser, we've developed this idea of like, we might not save the world with what we do, but maybe it will change the perspective of someone who does change the world yeah. in a way. And it's just, it's yeah, we super, started, we started challenging ourselves with being creative and writing something from, more of a place of how is this selfish? How can I create selfish art? How can I create something from a place of how I honestly feel telling my story, being authentic, being true to who I am and not really worrying so much about trying to write a song for somebody else because where you can, I think there's a fine line between creating something that's a need, you know, whether it's, you know, there could be, there's multiple things out there that you could look at that say, yeah, this is needed. You know, we need cell phones, we need computers, we need all these things. Can you go without them? There are ways, but they definitely make your life uh, better mm. than they can. They can always be abused, but there's a lot of benefit from things like that. Well, it's the same thing when you write a song, you know, you look at what is it that I need? What is it that I need to express? What's something that I'm going through? How can I be honest? How can I tell my story? And when you step into that place with it, I think it frees you of being chained to this picture that you see on TV or, you know, you, you see this thing in a magazine or whatever it is that you're trying to aspire to be you're never going to be that because somebody's already walked in those shoes. I think it was Alicia Keys. She said something really wise. Um, she said sometimes when you're trying to create something and 
you you look at these other artists that have done all these great things and you're looking at their story and how they wrote and you try to follow them and, and try to put those shoes on. It's like you're wearing these these leather shoes that they're really nice and they just haven't been broken in yet because for you, you need to tell your story and you need to wear your own shoes. You need to be able to walk in your own footsteps and yeah, follow in the footsteps of those who have done great things. Look at the way that people are doing things and don't get caught up in comparing yourself because that just robs you of your joy. And don't try to create something that's been done by somebody else because you're here to tell your story. Yeah. Do you feel I'm, like the... I'm super... Go ahead. I was just going to fact check real quick. I'm super impressed by Nick's memory of a quote. Uh, this was Lisa Keys. She said, the most important thing to remember is that you can wear all the greatest clothes and all the greatest shoes, but you have to have a good spirit on the inside. That's what's really going to make you look like you're ready to rock the world. I'm impressed. I mean, I kind of just paraphrased it. Right? You I said something about <laughs> you said something about shoes. You said it in a lot more words, I, actually. All I typed in was Alicia Keys and shoes, and then this quote came up. So, wow, you I'm surprised that's what right came on up. The money. Seems like she would be someone yeah, that has just, a lot of shoes. I want people to know that we're not just pulling this stuff out of thin air. And right, I, my brother's a lot more uh, adverse than I thought he was. So, uh, go ahead, Jake. You're good. Oh, I was just gonna, I don't know how long we want this to go, but I was going to ask, like, have you guys found that uh, the songs that you, um, the songs that you wrote kind of for yourself, things that you needed to get out, are those the ones that people resonate more or less with? Like, definitely. I always wonder about like artists, sometimes artists write the songs that they think other people need to hear, right? Yeah, yeah. I, they always kind of seem that way, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a, I feel like there's songs that I listen to that like you can hear the honesty in it, and like you yep. might not always connect with it, but sometimes you'll stumble upon it, and yep. like it'll hit you. And I always kind of do this thing where I will ask a question and then I will answer my own question. But I actually do want your guys' input on this. Yeah. No, that's fine. No, I think you can tell. I think you hear a song and you can immediately tell or you go to a show and you can immediately tell if if that artist has been through that or not. And and it's good to tell stories. You know, Rayleigh Montaigne's a good example of somebody who is a great storyteller. You know, you got Bob Dylan, you got all these guys that just write these incredible stories and it could have been inspired by somebody else's story or they're part of their own. But I think at the end of the day, if you're not, if you're not being honest and willing to go to that vulnerable place, then you're just, you're doing everybody else a disservice and you're doing yourself a disservice because you're just not being authentic. And songs that we write, like, you know, Wired was one that, Tyler had originally written this chorus and it was just this incredible chorus. It never left my head for two or three years probably. And it just was sitting there. And I, one night I'm sitting there playing with it and drinking a half a bottle of whiskey. And we (laughs) were able to just, I was at a pretty dark place at the time. And we, 
we pretty much wrote this song from that place that you're talking about, Jake, of just not being afraid to go there and Mm -hmm. just really talk about it and just get into it. And that's the kind of songs that people resonate with the most because so many people do that and they just don't talk about it. And I think people are, including myself, hesitant to really talk about stuff that might consider you to be, oh, well, you're just being too emotional or you, you know, just suck it up. Mm -hmm. Don't talk about it. Being from the Midwest, (laughs) pack away your feelings. Right. You know, just work. It'll be fine. You know, and I think you bury that stuff. And when you're willing to go down and unbury it, that's when the greatest songs for us come out. And I think that's when the greatest amount of people, greatest number of people hear those and they say, me too. Yeah, I agree with that. I think people just want to feel like someone else is going through the same thing. Mm. And if the song doesn't find some kind of resolute idea by the end of it, but just I'm going through this also, or this is super hard. Um, I mean, the songs that I listen to most of the time when I'm in in a deep state of my own mind, really they're most of the time about just like someone complaining. <laughs> yeah. Talking about talking about how life has really done them a hard hand. Yeah. And I think that's what we want to do. It's we we want people to feel connected to it too. I think we kind of started out in the first place saying maybe we know the answer, but we didn't. You know, we were so young and we had not experienced the world, so we really had no place to say uh, this is how it is. And I think, you know, there's a couple of albums that Nick and I made early on, more self-made, that we have pulled off of the um, more public the eye. Yeah, off of Spotify, which, dang it, we're here at the end, and I didn't even get to talk about Spotify like I wanted hey, to. Yeah, well, we got plenty more episodes to make, so we can save them. We're going to talk about Spotify the next episode, so hold on to your hat ladies and gentlemen i did but, do a fact check on you bro too by the way uh, oh, millennials yeah millennials are bo- born between 1981 and 1996 and gen okay. z gen z is born between 97 and 2012 so so that's all of us here. we are millennials. That's the three of us yeah. except for grandfather time no one knows when nick was born <laughs> nick no one knows when nick was born no Wasn't one knows even on when, my birth certificate <laughs> no one knows when nick will arrive or when he will leave <laughs> he arrives precisely when he, he just needs is this <laughs> is gandalf lord of the rings okay so this is the end of the podcast and it's been a lot of fun um it's been a week since we talked to you last, so we have all changed our minds about everything that we consider and everything that we care about. Since yeah, then. this is the last podcast, so thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this no. two-week run that we had. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. Um, there'll be another one after this, and then another one after that. So um, thank you all for being here, and thank you for listening to Three Lifelong Friends. Um go at it with each other and complain about things and try to figure um, shit out. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully there's 20 of you now. I know we joked about that. There was maybe 10 of you listening to the last one. So uh, maybe next time there'll be 21. Yep. 22. Be sure to, uh, be sure to subscribe 
that that means something yes. to us. And then, because then we can keep track of how many people are actually listening, and we can update our numbers every every episode. <laughs> and uh, tell a friend, bring someone new to yes. the show. Um, listen to three idiots talk about nothing in particular. <laughs> <laughs> it's bound to be a good time, right? Tell us what you think. Yeah. Tell us what you want yeah. us to discuss. Tell us your opinions. We, we love yes, to hear from you. We love feedback. As you can tell, we've gotten a lot better at hearing constructive <laughs> right. criticism. Everyone's so, listening to this um, episode like, well, I'm not going to tell them what I want to hear because Tyler's going to pull me out of my van. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it's super mean, we'll just delete you. Right. But if it's constructive, um, you might hear your name in the next podcast. So, thanks for joining us, guys. And, um... We will see you again on the next episode. Goodbye.